Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there tuning in with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you, and if it is, feel free to like it and share it with others. If you'll go over to establishedinthefaith.com, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast. You can now get us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others as well. Feel free to contact us there on the website with questions and comments that you may have pertaining to the program today. Well, we're going to begin our study now in Revelation chapter 18 and verse 1, and we hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. with me tonight, if you will, to Revelation chapter 18. That's where we're going to begin tonight. Revelation chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. John said, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. Some believe and teach that this is the Lord Jesus Christ because of some of the terminology that's used here. But John said, I saw another angel. Now, the word another is referring back to the angel in chapter 17. One of the seven vile judgment angels uh, came to John and began to talk to him about what was going on there in the 17th chapter. And that's the angel that's being referred to there. And like I said, the word another is just referring to that angel. Understand that that angel is a created being. He was created sometime in eternity past. We don't know when that time was. But Jesus had no beginning. He has always existed. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ has always existed. In the very beginning, we see where the Holy Trinity made the statement, let us make man in our own image. Now, there was a time when the Lord Jesus Christ took on the form of a man and was born of the Virgin Mary. And at that point in time, he had a beginning as far as it pertains to being a human being. But Jesus Christ has always existed, and it would not be proper to refer to Jesus as an angel. At any rate, whoever this angel is, uh, he has great power, so much so that the earth was lightened with his glory. Now, who this angel is, the Bible does not say. Uh, it could be Gabriel. It could be Michael. It could be an angel that we've never heard of. We really don't know. But in verse 2, it says there that he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Turn, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 21. 
This powerful angel announces that Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen. Isaiah used this same phrase, um, Isaiah 21, go down if you will to verse 9. Isaiah 21, verse 9. And behold, here cometh a chariot of men with a couple of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And all the graven images of her gods hath he broken unto the ground. And there you have it. The phrase, is fallen, is fallen. That predicts two individual happenings. Some of what Isaiah said pertained to the Babylon of his day, but much of it pertains to the future rebuilt city of Babylon, which we're going to look at a little bit later, and we have looked at this in the past. Uh, look, if you will, to Isaiah 47. Flip over a few pages. Isaiah 47. Isaiah 47, verse 9. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment, in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. They shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. Babylon of old did not fall in one day with the invasion of the Medes and Persians. In fact, it was still in existence some 800 years later, and it was the place where Simon Peter wrote his first epistle. But the rebuilt city of Babylon uh, will be destroyed under the giant earthquake of the last vile judgment, and we've looked at that in Revelation chapter 16, verses 17 through 19. All right, go back to Revelation 18 and verse 2 again. He cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Vultures and such like birds have been used throughout the Scriptures and are symbolic for demon spirits. The rebuilt city of Babylon is going to become the headquarters of the Antichrist in the not-too-distant future. Of course, Babylon will be rebuilt back some years ago. Uh, Saddam Hussein began the foundation of that city, from what I've read and studied, whatever the case. Where they're at now on it, I don't know. But during the first half of the tribulation period, that city is going to be the headquarters of the Antichrist. It's going to be the new sin city of the world because the Antichrist is going to be against everything um, that is for God. He'll be for homosexuality, drunkenness, alcoholism, you name it, and he's going to be for it. And like I said, Babylon's going to become the new sin city of the world. And whenever sin is involved, 
understand that demon spirits are behind it. And that's the reason why it says here that this city will be the habitation of devils and so forth. This place is going to be literally infested with demon spirits of every sort. Uh, Look at verse 3, if you will, Revelation 18, verse 3. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Once again, we have the use of these terms, drunk and fornication. And that is used to express the addictive power of religion. The doing of religion is like a strong drink. It makes people feel good, and they think they're okay, but the truth is, they're not. They're really lost and on their way to hell, and if you try to tell them otherwise, it's like reasoning with a drunk person, and you just can't reason with a drunk person. But the Spirit of God can deal with a person, so don't give up on a person if they're going down a false road, a false way. Just be led of the Spirit, whatever you do. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. That's about midway of verse 3. That pertains to the leadership and the political systems of this world, which have accepted a false religion. And this also tells us that anyone who places their faith in a false religion, God considers it as the same sin as fornication. And you know that no fornicator is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the latter part of verse 3 says, And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Religion is big business. Billions of dollars are spent every year on music, trinkets, clothing, books, buildings, and I can go on and on with that. Even in Christianity today, you can't put a price on the salvation of a soul, but many are cashing in on it today. When you go to the Christian bookstore and you see all the things that are available today, I wonder how much of that is really for the upbuilding of God's kingdom and how much of it is to make money. When you go in that bookstore and you go over to the music section and you see all the Christian albums that are available for you to purchase, I wonder how many of those albums were made with the full intention of ushering you into the presence of God and helping you to worship God. And how many of those albums were made just to make money? You follow me? And the bookstores are full of it today. I wonder, when you walk over in the section where the Bibles are at, and we've got so many different translations and versions of the Bible today. Every one of those Bibles, in order for that bookstore to sell it, every one of those Bibles have to have a copyright. 
And in order to get a copyright, there have to be significant changes that are made to an existing work. In order to have a copyright on an existing work, there are significant changes that have to be made. I remind you of what Jesus said in Matthew 4 and 4 when he was tempted in the wilderness to turn the stones into bread. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Like I said, in order to get a copyright, changes have to be made to the original work. That original work is the King James Version. The King James Version is a word-for-word translation out of the original Greek and Hebrew language. And in order for these people to get a copyright, words are deleted, changed, phrases are removed or paraphrased, and words are important. Words have meaning. When words or phrases are missing, how can you come away with the same thought that God intended? I think that the King James Version is about as close to a word-for-word translation as you're going to get. I don't know. Maybe some of these people, their intentions truly were to help you understand the Bible better. But I warn you, if you do get one of these other translations of the Bible, make sure you've got a King James Version to compare it to. Because that you can't go wrong with the King James. I know some of the, the writing and the language can be hard to understand, but I, I don't think you'll go wrong with the King James. It's about as close as you're going to get. And I also remind you tonight of Revelation 22, verse 18 and 19. If you want to flip over there right quick and see this for yourself. Revelation 22, verses 18 through 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto the things. God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So there you have it. God watches over his word. And he is very serious when it comes to adding to and taking away from. So I warn you tonight, be careful about some of these different versions of the Bible. Let me also say this. There are some good study Bibles out there. And the text is in the King James. And the notes may be over to the side of the page in the back or maybe in some cases written right there in the verse, and they're there to help you understand. But understand that those are notes. Those are someone else's thoughts and comments. There's nothing wrong with with that, but you just need to make sure that you determine what is the Word of God and what is someone else's 
uh, thoughts, comments, and whatever the case. But what we're talking about here tonight is the spirit of Babylon, the Babylonian spirit. It's the world system. And folks, let me tell you, it's in the church today. And it's very attractive because of money. 1 Timothy 6 and 10 says, For the love of money, notice what he said, the love of money. He didn't say money is the root of all evil. You've got to have money in order to get by and survive in this world. But it is the love of money that is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. Notice what he said. Coveting after money, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Much of what is considered and classified as gospel today is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is another gospel. It's a money gospel. They tell you that Jesus was rich and we should be rich too. If you're not rich, then your faith is not up to where it ought to be. In order for you to get your faith up to where it ought to be, you need to send me a love offering. And the bigger your offering, the bigger your faith is going to be. What they fail to tell you is the bigger their pocketbook is going to be. But they tell you that if you'll send them a love offering that will build your faith, God will honor that and he'll double it back to you. How many of you have heard that? Mm-hmm. Well, God may double it back to you, but he may not. More than likely, he's not. Because you're giving your money for the wrong reason. It's not so much to build your faith as it is to get more money. People love to hear that. And it's a big scheme out there today to make money. But there's also some truth. In that, And I don't want to throw the baby out with the wash water here. Because I truly believe that if you, out of sincerity of your heart, support the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is Christ in Him crucified, if you're supporting the gospel and you're truly giving your money to support that, not expecting anything back in return, God will bless you. Now, you might not see it in money. I mean, if you give the church here $1,000, that don't mean next week you're going to get 2000 back. Okay, but God's got many ways of blessing you. He can bless you with good health. He can bless you and make that car get 40 miles to the gallon. <laughs> he can make them tires last a little longer. That wash machine and that dryer can last a little longer. God can do all kinds of things, amen? So God's got many ways of blessing you other than just money. But I truly believe if you support the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, God will bless you. But it's all got to do with um, your motives when you give that money and, and whatever the case. Another money-making thing in the church today is this church growth movement that we've got going on how to grow the church again it's all about the money 
and you get right down to it. They tell you to send out a survey in the community and find out, you know, what the people in your community want in a church. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care what the people want. i just be flat out honest with you. I do not care what people out there want. I am concerned about what God wants. That's what I'm concerned about. If I'll go to the Lord and find out what He wants and do what He says, God will take care of the rest. Amen? But there are all kind of books and stuff available to now, uh, available today that will tell you how to grow the church. And guess what? These things work. And here are some of the things they're telling us to do today. Give your church a facelift. Be more modern. Put a snack bar in the vestibule with free food and drinks as a good uh, welcoming tool for visitors. Trade out your pews and put chairs that are more comfortable. Chairs with cup holders that will give people a place to place their drink while I'm preaching. Think of that. Get the latest audiovisual equipment installed. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I believe the church, I think we need to step up to the 21st century. And if there are tools available that will help you to learn the Word of God and others that may come in, um, I do not have a problem with that. But what they are recommending that you do is you set up this audiovisual equipment. You paint all the walls black and uh, do away with the windows. Turn the lights down real low so that you can show movies in the church. But these are just some of the things that they're saying that you need to do. They're also telling us we need to remove all religious signs and images, like the steeple, the cross. Those type of things are too churchy, and it turns some people off, and we don't want to turn people off. And uh, they're also saying we need to change the name of our church. Don't call it a church. Call it a worship center or a family center, that type of thing. When you go to church, don't appear to be better than anybody else. Dress normal and encourage others in the congregation to do the same. Not everybody can afford a suit of clothes, and it makes people feel bad. And there's nothing wrong with wearing shorts, a T-shirt, flip-flops, that sort of thing to church. Young people can better relate to you if you dress in the latest fad, like wearing pants down around your waist. If you have a tattoo, show it off. That's always the popular thing to do when you've got young people involved. Now, if you ain't got nothing better to wear, come on. I want people to come to church. But those of us that have grown in grace and the knowledge of the Lord, this is God's house. You're coming here to worship God, and I believe you should come dressed in a fashion as if though you were going to go to the courthouse and stand before the judge. Because in essence, folks, we are standing before the judge, the judge of all the earth, and he deserves our utmost respect. Amen? All right, the next thing they want to deal with is music in the church. It needs to be more entertaining. Congregational singing is too boring, plus it makes visitors feel uncomfortable when they have to sing a song they don't know. 
Select a group of people, let them sing up on the stage. Notice the terminology. We no longer call it an altar or a pulpit. We call it a stage now, a place where you perform. Let a group of people sing on the stage instead of everybody singing. Make sure the songs are upbeat and they'll make people feel good. Songs about sin, death, dying, uh, those types of songs make people feel bad. Sing praise and worship type songs. Now, I don't have a problem with praise and worship type songs. That's what we're supposed to come to church and do. But at the same time, we must realize that there is no worship of God unless the cross is the foundation of it. But what these people recommend you do is remove all elements of the cross, the blood, sin, makes people feel bad. The more contemporary and louder, the better. If you play Christian rock and roll and rap music, you can even switch it over into secular music, which will really get the visitors involved. Do you hear what these people are saying? They're saying bring secular worldly music into the church. And they also go on to say, if you can get people involved in dancing, now that really opens up your service. Let's deal with preaching. Don't preach on sin and Jesus having to die on a cross to save us from hell. That only turns people off. Besides, Jesus died on the cross to set an example as what we as servants of our fellow man should be. They've changed the message altogether. The sermon should encourage people to do good works and to help others. Don't be dogmatic about anything. God is loving and a gracious God that knows our hearts. Preach a more positive message that people can relate to and one that motivates. Preach a message on losing weight. After all, God wants his people to be healthy. Preach on managing money and how to make money. We just got through talking about that. God wants his people to prosper. Preach on how to have a happy home and how we should relate to others. Sometimes it's best to just show the segment of a movie or some other TV program and then make a few short comments about it. Never preach over 15 to 20 minutes. Direct messages toward the young people. Avoid using, listen to this, avoid using the King James Version or anything else that sounds too religious. Use the Message Bible written in today's street language. Cussing in the pulpit has always been a no-no. But studies have shown that such language helps younger people relate. It's sure to get everybody's attention. But just make sure that if you curse in the pulpit, it's done in a good way. Mm. Remember, you want people to leave the church happy and feeling good about themselves. And the last one, in order to grow the church, we all need to start thinking outside the box. 
Not all services have to be held at church. How about have a Bible study at a pub one Wednesday night and pay for everybody's drink? If you want a Budweiser, we'll pay for it. What do you think? After all, Jesus turned the water into wine to reach the people of his day. You see how that sounds? It appeals to people. These things are done to bring in more people. The more people that come in, the more money you have available to do things. This is the modern church growth movement. Turn to Revelation chapter 3. I want to show you what Jesus said of the church in the last days. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. When he spoke to the church at Laodicea. Revelation 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Lukewarm is a mixture of that which is cold and hot. You've got churches today that are mixing worldliness, the things of the world, with the Word of God. You've got this mixture going on in churches today. It's not to get people saved. It is not to help you grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's all about getting hineys in the pew so we can get more money to do what we want to do. Jesus went on to say there, verse 17, Because thou sayest, I am rich, how did they get rich? We're talking about the church of the last days. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He said, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. The only currency that God will accept is faith in Jesus Christ and what Jesus did at Calvary faith in anything else, God will not recognize it and accept it. And what Jesus did has been tried and true, and it is proven. He said, anoint your eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. He said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Verse 19. Be zealous therefore and repent. Verse 20. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. We have used this verse so many times 
to win the lost out here. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you need to understand the context of which this is written. Jesus is telling the church in the last days. I'm standing outside the church knocking trying to get in. Jesus is supposed to be the center point, the focal point of the church. And if Jesus is outside of the church, then what is it that has taken the place of Jesus? It's the Babylonian spirit. The ways and means of the world is what has got into the church today. But Jesus still says, I'm knocking at the door. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. In verse 22, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying unto the churches. Now, if you will, flip over to Revelation 18 and verse 4, and I will show you what the Spirit is saying to the church. He is saying the same thing now that he will be saying in the future. Revelation 18, 4. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partaker of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. As a Christian, we have a responsibility to come out from among the world and be separate. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. We are called apart from the world unto God. That don't mean that we should isolate ourselves, but you should be living a life of of holiness unto the Lord as you grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and and the Lord changes you on the inside and he brings you from the ways of the world into the ways of God. And I could go on and on with that tonight, but I'm just going to stop right there in verse 4. There's some other things I want to say about that, but I'm not going to get into it tonight. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.